Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Welcome to everyone to our special Father's Day service here at Numa Church. It's such an honor to be uh, just taking this opportunity to spend a few moments together to focus on what does the Bible teach us about the integral role of fathers in our families and uh, in our community. And joining me is a great father of the faith, a spiritual father, uh, really, to Simone and I, and as well as to his own family and to many people across the body of Christ is Dr. Alan Meyer. Alan, it's great to have you part of this. Thank you, sir. It's a <laughs> privilege to join you, mate. Happy, happy Father's Day, mate. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And you too, buddy, by, Th- by the way. Thank you. Um, well, we're going to pray together and uh, we're just going to take a few moments to uh, unpack the scriptures out of Ephesians 6 and uh, talk about uh, what does God's word have to say about uh, being a father And uh, for those of you who may not be male or or a dad, don't tune off or tune out. Uh, There's something relevant here for the entire family. So why don't we just pray together as we spend some time just uh, focusing on this topic. Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness and grace. And we thank you, Lord, that you have modeled to us what it is to be a perfect father. And uh, God, we just want to come around your word right now. We want to take a moment to uh, just reflect, to think about uh, the example that you've provided to us, uh, both in the word of God and in our own uh, relationship with you. But God, I particularly just pray your blessing over every household today, over every uh, father, uh, every dad who has a crucial responsibility to minister to their families and to minister to their communities. God, we just ask for your blessing and grace upon them and that this time together would be an enriching time for their own relationship with their children and their spouses. God, we just thank you for what you're doing at Numa Church and across all the families at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I wanna invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter six. And I'm just going to read uh, the first four verses where Paul is addressing the whole dynamic around family relationships. And uh, in verse one, he says, "'Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Uh, I can remember back in 2007, after uh, being quite content with our two children, that uh, God uh, spoke to me about uh, having a third child. And uh, he first of all was speaking through my wife, and I've learned that God has a way and a habit of speaking through my wife into my life, which I'm very grateful for. Uh, but at the time, I was a little bit resistant, to be honest, to the idea of having a third child. But because God loves my wife's prayers more than he loves mine, 
uh, he, he, his uh, will for our family won out. And I can still remember being actually uh, in the backyard of a great prophet and father figure as well in my life, David McCracken, when God spoke to me and said, this time next year, you're going to have another son and you're going to call his name Joshua and he is gonna be set apart for me. And it exploded in my heart in such a significant and powerful way. And during that same period of time, God spoke to me out of Psalm 127 verse three. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. And when I got that word, Dr. Allen, I started to count, well, how much is a quiver? How many kids am I actually going to have? I was a little bit concerned. But when I was thinking about this whole dynamic of moving from two children to having three kids, I was really thinking selfishly because I was looking at the demands of my lifestyle and my ministry. And to be honest, I was just assessing whether or not I had the capacity uh, to be able to uh, be the father of another child. But I failed to realise the privilege of what it is to be a parent and to be a father. To every father out there, I want to encourage you, you carry an enormous responsibility. You are the literal visible link between your children and the picture that they have of who God is. And how fathers relate to families directly influences how children see God as father. I'm so grateful for the example of my own father, who for uh, nearly 20 years was um, focused on caring for my mother, who really struggled with um, illness and sickness for nearly 20 years. Uh, Dr. Al, my mum, was in and out of hospital, sometimes up to nine months of the year, wrestling with a severe lung disease which impacted her in a significant way. And I saw my father over all of those years uh, sacrificially, unselfishly uh, loving my mother and uh, going through those seasons with great character, great courage and great endurance And uh, I am so grateful for the example that my own father has set me uh, in his uh, marriage, in our family, and even in his own ministry that really has left a mark upon my own heart uh, of a great legacy of faith to this day. You know, tragically, we are living in a fatherless society. And uh, author David Blankenhorn says, many of our society's worst ills are largely a result of an increasingly fatherless society. The stats tell us that one out of three children don't actually live with their biological father. Research tells us that teenagers are more likely to commit criminal acts in a fatherless home. In fact, some of the stats coming out of the United States tells us that 80% of men that are in prison grew up in a fatherless home. A survey of 20,000 parents found that when fathers are actively involved in their kids' education, their children are more likely to be quite successful in their schooling. Teenage girls, research tells us, are more likely to be sexually active when their fathers are uninvolved in the parenting responsibility. So these statistics communicate to us that while it takes a moment to conceive a child, it actually takes a commitment to become a father. And like our first father, Adam, 
too many fathers often, unfortunately, play a very passive role in home life. And in Genesis 3, when we look at uh, our great adversary, Satan, attacking Eve, we see that Adam was unusually passive and quite absent in that moment. Instead of defending his wife and stepping in and, and protecting uh, that which he'd been entrusted with, he finds himself uh, on the back foot, quite passive, quite absent. And the same can often be said in many homes, be it Christian or those that don't have an active practicing faith. And our culture doesn't help this. The culture we live in doesn't actually help us to build a healthy understanding of fathers or men. And often many TV sitcoms portray fathers and men as idiots. I even uh, read a greeting card the other week which says, if we can send a man to the moon, why can't we send all of them? And that generally typifies the sort of attitude and perspective that our modern culture has of a lot of men and fathers. But the truth is, God not only created male and female in His image, but He designed and called fathers to play a unique and significant role in the family home. And I'm really calling us to uh, develop a healthy theology, theology and a redemptive view of the critical role that fathers play in the family unit. And so in Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, he begins to address the dynamics of family relationships. And I'm so glad, Dr. Allen, uh, like you, I share a passion and a love for the Word of God, that God's Word has answers for the challenges that families face. And so, Dr. Allen, I would uh, ask you to share with us a few of your thoughts around why is family, as God designed it, so critical to our spiritual health? Well, the fact that God himself uh, describes himself as a father would give us an insight that in terms of the creator of the heavens and the earth, the origin of all life, if he calls himself father, obviously, clearly, fatherhood goes to the very foundation of all that he then does and everything he creates. And since we are created in his image. If we think somehow we could lower fatherhood to a lesser position, we have no idea where we came from. And that's one of the struggles we face in Western civilization. The average uh, Australian, for example, doesn't think in terms of the origin of the universe being framed by a father. But the first essential element involved in fatherhood is that, is that you are the source of someone's existence. The only reason the world and the universe exists is because there is a father who in his heart is creating a family for eternity. And so God himself is the source of all of our existence. But there was a man called Roger, Roger Meyer. And because Roger Meyer existed, I exist. If it wasn't for, for, for Roger Meyer, Alan Meyer wouldn't be here. And as a result, I've, I, am, I carry 50% of my father's DNA. Uh, every single one of us, having be, been framed or come, having come forth out of God's original creation of Adam, uh, and Adam carried in himself characters, the character aspects and elements that were reflective of his origin. We are what we are, at least in part, by virtue of the fact that we have a heavenly Father, and so our capacities, our qualities, our giftedness, our nature are all little elements of reflectiveness of the fact that God is this brilliant person 
and we have been made in his image. I look back, my dad was a school teacher. All I ever wanted to be was a teacher. And it wasn't just that he um, somehow set me an example. Yeah. It's that I received the kind of qualities he had. Uh, and as a result, they just kind of naturally bend towards yeah. that of uh, being, a t uh, being a teacher. The second element, not you are the source of someone's existence if you're a father. Secondly, you are the provider. Yeah. Fatherhood provides. Um, you feed, you support, you supply. And my dad was the source of my provision. There were years in which uh, I couldn't have provided for myself. And thank God I have a father who actually went to work, was willing to get up early in the morning, do a job, and then not only then not spend it on himself, but spend it on uh, providing for me and my family. I, I'm, one of the, uh, I'm one of those who has a profound privilege that I never woke up in the middle of the night to find my mother crying because she didn't have a clue how she was going to put food yeah. on the table. Wow. And why? Because my dad was a good provider. He was a faithful man. Uh, then, of course, the essential element of fatherhood, and this is the one we'll focus on most, is the father as, as an affirmer. Yeah. The father is the one who approves, the one who authorises, and good fatherhood provides the source of a child's confidence. Yeah. It's not that mums don't provide any of that, the fact they do, but the, it, by design, and you can't get away from that, by design, fatherhood is designed to be the foundation of a, children, a child's confidence, and this would be perhaps one of the greatest areas in which I have... Uh, experience a disappointment. Right. Um, my dad was a wonderful man. He was a good man. He was a believer, came to Jesus when he was four years of age, followed Jesus all the days of his life. And of all the things that my father did for me um, was in this area of living, living out his life as a follower of Jesus faithfully and loving my mother profoundly. Yeah. I never had to wonder whether their marriage would fail. I did not experience a single moment of insecurity because wow. of my father's behaviour, uh, particularly towards us and my mum. All of the insecurity in my life, I managed to generate that myself. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, I was a source of profound insecurity for my father and he didn't really know how to handle that well. And as a result, from a fairly early age, my father, rather than, uh, than feeling that he was my champion and my affirmer, my dad uh, appeared to me to be a little more of a judge, less of a coach and more of a judge. Right. Uh, I think that started by the time I was nine years of age. Well, I nearly burnt the house down when I was four. <laughs> that didn't encourage him a lot. But yeah. then I, took, I did a heist on Coles one day and I, <laughs> and I stole a packet of Band-Aids and a pair of tweezers and the manager caught me and rang my mum and my mum told my dad. And then for a, for a year and a half, I was not allowed out of the front gate of my house without permission. Sounds like COVID lockdowns it right was, now. Man, I've ex <laughs> I experienced COVID from the age of nine. <laughs> I've been going, but you know, this is the, this is the sad thing. Um, my, my father lost his father uh, probably for most of his life simply because uh, his father was a gold miner. Right. And by and large, he was absent from the home. Then there was the First World War and that damaged the mental health of fathers and so my father was raised in an environment where largely his father was absent so my dad never saw fathering take place. Wow. Then my father was a, uh, a survivor of the Second World War and I know for certain that damaged his, uh, his, his emotional 
security or his, his emotional balance. Because yeah. I've seen photos of my dad when he was pr prior to the war and my mother said when she went to pick up my dad from the train station for their wedding in 1945, he came from the war zone, um, he, she picked him up at the, the train station and she said he had changed so much she didn't even recognise who he was. Wow. And he became my father two years later. And out of the damage of the war years and the damage of his own childhood, my father was then seeking to father me. And of all the things I think uh, I, I missed the most, it was affirmation. He didn't know how to handle the moments when I disappointed him in such a way that he could correct me and discipline me and yet at the end of it, feeling like our relationship was not damaged, that he was still for me, he was on my side, that I could lean into him and trust him. And as a result, I kind of grew up during my teenage years not liking my dad very much. I respected him, but I didn't like him very much. Mm. And I think I was a victim of the, the great danger that there is in fathering. And I'm gonna read just one passage from the yeah, scripture because this is the passage in the Bible that I think underlines the danger that fathers face as they're trying to do their job of raising kids successfully. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 12 has to say about the problem or the challenge of fathering. This is what Hebrews says. Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? We could put in there sons and daughters. My son or my daughter, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when you're reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every child, son or daughter, whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Well, I got plenty of that. If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons or daughters at all. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. And I did respect my dad. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. And sometimes we don't get it right yeah. when we're disciplining. We don't always get it right. Uh, and, and it's only for a short time. But God disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. God has such a vision for our future. And that's one of the challenges that fathers have. They're not only affirmers. A father then also has this quality attached to his calling He's called to prepare his children for the journey of life and for their destiny. And that involves discipline. And that's where uh, the real challenge of fatherhood uh, really arises because this is what Hebrews has to say about that moment. It says this, they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. God disciplines us for our good so we can share his holiness for the moment all discipline seems painful. Yep. Oh boy, is that ever true? <laughs> Rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees 
and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame is not put out of joint but rather healed. And that's the critical moment involved in fathering, that in the moment of seeking to be a teacher, in the moment of correction, the broken human heart perceives that moment yeah. badly. Mm. And in an attempt to try to do the relationship good, it actually gets damaged. And rather than getting healed, what's lame gets put out of joint. And I watched that happen in it's, our household. It's powerful, uh, Dr. Allen. Um, in Paul's practical exhortation to fathers, he actually speaks to, firstly, the responsibilities of children in the family home. And we've been talking these last few minutes about some of the dynamic elements of a father and what's involved with that. But children, in verse 1, Paul says, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And I'm sure all the parents are out there are hoping that their children are listening to that exhortation from the Apostle Paul. But children obeying their parents is what honour looks like. And it's interesting that this is the first and only one of the Ten Commandments that contain a promise of reward. Under the Old Covenant in Exodus 20 verse 12, there is the promise of long life and physical blessing for those who will honour their mother and their father. Under the New Covenant, whilst there's elements of that practical promise in place, the promise of land isn't so much physical, but eternal. Paul's not teaching here uh, in the New Testament when he quotes this as salvation by works uh, through obedience, but he's actually teaching us that honour and the, the, the uh, role of a child in the home of honouring through obedience is actually evidence of a faith in Christ. And honouring parents results in a blessing from God, I believe, both in this life and in the life to come. I am an absolute believer that uh, my wife and I and what God is doing in our own lives is a byproduct, not just of our own um, choices to do with ministry or to do with the things that God specifically directly has asked us in our own hearts to do, but because of a relationship that has been cultivated with our own parents, our own spiritual parents, of which um, Dr. Allen was a critical part of the formation of our own ministry journey. And there were seasons where there were things that Dr. Al and my own parents confronted me with that I had to reflect on and seriously consider how I was going to respond in light of the call to not just be a leader of others, but a follower and someone who honours those who are in leadership over me, playing a spiritual parenting or a literal parenting role in my own life. Um, Dr. Al, maybe just for a couple of moments, talk about the critical role that kids have in terms of their own relationship uh, with their parents. And you've already spoken about your own relationship with your father. Um, is there anything that comes to mind that you'd like to speak to about that critical role? Yeah, let me first reflect back on how God did some healing in terms of my own fatherhood. Um, we have a tendency to be moulded by a family of origin. And when my dad did discipline, it was often very noisy and there was, there was no repair afterwards. 
Fathers, you've got to learn when there's been a moment of correction or a moment of confrontation, and that happens. You, you can't avoid that. But you've got to do repair. My father never, after there had been a disciplinary encounter, came back to me and sat down quietly and said, now, Al, let's talk about that. What, what do we need to learn from that? Because I, I want you to know something. I'm for you, mate. And, yeah. and I just want you to succeed. We never had those conversations. He would explode, discipline. I would get hurt and withdraw. And uh, that would never be spoken about again until I did it again. God had to bring another man into my life. And he brought Pastor Hal Oxley into my life when I was uh, in my 20s, late 20s. And uh, he, was, uh, he was the second father that I had. And what I found in him was the affirmation that I didn't get from my dad. He saw something in me and he drew me into a place of giving me opportunity. See, fathers affirm their sons. You, you've got to get the car keys from your dad. Yeah. If your dad's going to lend you the car. Don't go asking your mum for the car. You've got to <laughs> ask your dad for the car. And if your dad puts the car keys in your hands, that's him like saying to, I trust you, take, you know, don't bring it back yeah. with a dent in it, but I trust you. And a, a, a man who was a father in the faith, Pastor Hal Oxley, a hero of the faith in mine, and he began to affirm me and that God began to build into me something I hadn't received from my own dad. But I do remember saying to him my very first week of full-time ministry, Sir, I see you like my father and I want to serve you like a son. And I did not understand how that was going to set me up for a second encounter of being disciplined by my second father. And then the crisis Wow. of how will you respond yeah. when your father corrects you? Because like Hebrews says, no discipline at the time it happens um, is pleasant. Yeah. And the danger in every son's heart is that you perceive correction to be punishment, yeah. that you perceive correction to be disapproval or even rejection. I watched that happen. My father made a very grim mistake with my brother um, in a moment of anger, said to him one day, um, he, he, a week before, a, a precious girl whom he loved had been killed in a car accident. And my father was so angry with my brother, he said to him, I wish that had been you. Wow. And in that moment, he fractured a relationship with my brother and he got on a motorbike and left and we never saw him again for five years as he went off into a life of drugs and, you know, crime and rock and roll and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Fathers need to repair. Yeah. And if there's anything I would say to you is that every child is this, has this cry in their heart for acceptance, for value, and for belonging. Yeah. And yet at the same time, they can very easily perceive those moments of correction as being moments of rejection. And God knows that you are the key to those moments of correction being helpful rather than unhelpful. And without a moment of repair, sometimes those moments of correction can be quite damaging and they can be disastrous. And instead of leading to life, it actually leads to death. I'd say to every father, learn to process your discipline. Yeah, Did good. you have to correct? Go back, sit with your kid and say, can we talk about that? How, how, do, you, how do you feel? Yeah. How do you feel about me? How do you feel about us? Yeah. And do those moments of repair. Um, beware that those moments of, of correction don't lead to damage. 
do the moments of repair and make sure that every moment of correction leads to another moment of affirmation so that a child is never left wondering, I wonder if my dad really loves me. I wonder if my dad really believes in my future because those are the moments that can be so very precious. So powerful, Dr. Allen, and so relevant to Paul's teaching to fathers where he transitions from children to fathers and simply says, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I'm wondering, as we bring a closing focus to this, maybe we can just speak to some of the issues that fathers need to understand in raising their children in the discipline of the Lord, but also that relationship that you've already touched on between correction and discipline. How do those two work together as a package to really build healthy relationships in the home? Well, they can. It's like coaching. You know, you can coach well or you can coach badly. And the only reason you ever coach is you just, you see the potential and you want to bring that out. Yeah. And it's one of the great roles of a father. A father is not only an affirmer, that he's also a coach. Um, be very, very clear on the fact that you, that you coach more and punish less. Good. That you coach more and in your discipline, it's done with a kind of gentleness and encouragement that doesn't leave a delicate little heart crushed. Now, there's no one size fits all. Yeah. Every child's heart is different. And the degree, I think one of the mistakes I made is in raising some of my own kids, I was well into their teens before I realised that I can't discipline all my children exactly the same way. And I'll never forget having a conversation with one of my sons when he was 13 and, I, and he was being grumpy and hurtful and he was pulling away from me. I said, do you think I'm your enemy, mate? And he said, yep. <laughs> I said, mate, I'm not your enemy. I'd lay my life down for you. Yeah. And that led to a conversation which was really critical because I was just trying to father like my father had fathered me, mm. but in the process I was damaging my son. Just make sure it's it bring them up in the, in the nurture and the admonition, the kindness and the gentleness. God doesn't kill people when they get it wrong. Yeah. He strengthens us and encourages us to get up and go again because I'll never leave you nor forsake you. It's brilliant, Dr. Allen, and I just want to thank you so much for sharing with us today, uh, not only your life experience and your knowledge and learning, but also from the Word of God. And there's no doubt that a father's influence will not only impact their own children, but will impact generations to come. And the values that you pass on to your children today actually will be reproduced for coming generations. I came across uh, a great legacy of Jonathan Edwards, who prayed daily to leave a legacy for his family. And five generations later, this is what took place. Of Jonathan Edwards' known male descendants, more than 300 became pastors, missionaries, or theological professors. Another 120 descendants became college professors. 110 became attorneys. 60 were prominent authors. 30 became judges. And 14 served as presidents of universities or colleges. Three descendants served in the US Congress. And one became the vice president of the United States 
all because Jonathan Edwards, the great revivalist, made a decision that he was gonna follow Jesus with all of his heart, love God with all of his heart, soul, strength and mind, love his neighbour as himself and build a family and raise his sons and daughters in a way that would make a lasting impact for generations to come. I wanna ask every father today to consider what legacy are you leaving and building and creating for not only your kids, but for coming generations. All of us can look at things that we wish we had done better and regret, but the good news of the gospel is there's always a second chance. God's grace is sufficient and available for all of us today to begin to learn new things and to try again to repair those broken relationships and make a difference in our children's lives. Can I encourage you to pass on to your kids a legacy of faith, a legacy of integrity, a legacy of a consistency of love and honour towards your wife, towards your family, towards your children. And for those of you who may not have kids and you are a, a person who desires to be a godly influence, in young people's lives, in children's lives, in other people's lives around you. You can still be an encouraging voice of influence, a mentor, a discipler, someone who coaches, someone who comes alongside and champions the well-being of other people's lives around you. We are a church for the entire family, from the youngest to the oldest. For 95 years, we've been a church of multi-generations. And I'm so glad that in this house, we have such fine examples of fathers and mothers who have gone before us to lay their lives down and make a difference, not only for this church, but for every family represented in this house. We wanna continue that legacy. Dr. Allen and Helen and his ministry, Careforce Life Keys, is an integral part, I believe, of our church's future in not only ministering to people in our community, but promoting healthy relationships in the family home of people who call Numa Church home. I know my wife and I, our own children, are committed to building strong families, strong marriages. And I just wanna champion that cause today on this Father's Day. We just wanna tell you, fathers, we're proud of you. We love you, we honour you. Thank you for all the sacrifices that you make. I'd love it if we just pray together. And Dr. Allen, would you just pray for all the fathers today on this Father's Day? It would delight me to do that. And it's a privilege to be able to share with you, mate. Um, you're one of those men, as I watch you and your wife and your kids, it's clear that your kids love you and they enjoy you and that you're building a great family. It's a privilege to be able to share this and know that uh, the integrity of what you're doing here is gonna build a great future. Thank you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift my hand to you for every father who's listening and to every child who just longs for a better relationship with their dad. Father God, turn the hearts of the fathers yes, to the children. I pray for every man who feels somewhat inadequate at times to know how to do it well. I pray that every man who hears the sound of this message today yes. would say to God, Oh God, have mercy on me. Make me a man of God, a man my children could be proud of, a man of consistency, a man of faith, a man of obedience. And then Lord, help me to be an affirming, teacher in the lives of my children. Lord, help me to guard their little hearts and see them filled with confidence in the goodness of God that, Lord, I too might leave a, a legacy like Jonathan Edwards, that my life would be full of the, of the richness of the goodness of your grace 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.